you'll stand with me all over the room today, we're going to read two verses of Scripture. Starting with Psalm 22 and 1, and then we'll conclude with Matthew 27 and verse 46. Psalm 22 and 1 in the New New King James Version. He says, My God, my God, why, there's that word, have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? And of course, this is the psalm that Jesus Christ himself quoted from the cross when he cried in Matthew 27 and verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I want to preach to you this morning a message the Lord has given me. I'm just simply titled, Even When I Don't Understand. If you will, pray with me and for me this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence. We've already failed in the worship today and in the first service. Thank you for what you've already done, Lord, all over this campus and our discipleship classes and in the first service today. But God, I believe that today you have a word for somebody in this room right now. So God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts Lord, to receive your word. I pray, God, that you would move me out of the way, that I wouldn't bring your word today with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but let your word come forth today in the power and in the demonstration of your spirit. God, I thank you this morning that we can leave this place today encouraged. We can stand strong in faith and in trust in you even when we don't understand the situations in our life. I give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do in and through this word today in advance. In the body name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Obviously, the hand of God was on David as he penned these words, which were also a prophetic description of Christ's sufferings that would take place 2,000 years later. But we can draw the conclusion that David must have been experiencing those emotions in his own life as well. Because after having begun his life with such promise and with such purpose, I mean the presence of God was upon him in an unprecedented way from the time of his youth even up until now. But somehow David had now came to a point where he himself felt forsaken. If we go on in our opening passage of Scripture and read verse 2 in Psalms 22, he says, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and am not silent. In other words, he was saying, I am seeking you night and day. I am crying out to you, Lord, but why are you not hearing me? And I can tell you this morning that I know that feeling. Now, many of you know my testimony, uh, not the testimony of my salvation, but the testimony of the healing of the Lord in my life, and some of you don't. So, But I know that feeling because there was a season in my life over 12 years ago now, almost 13, when I became very, very sick very fast. After a couple of weeks of unexplainable back pain, I got up one Sunday morning to get ready for church, a church where I was on staff as the worship pastor, I was still in pain, and I had noticed the swelling in my leg and this splotchy discoloration of purple and red that ran all up and down my left leg. And long story short, 
the uh, inexplainable back pain that I had had for two weeks was a blood clot that was forming in my leg. And by the time that, that I reached this point, that clot was solid running from my groin to the middle of my calf in my left leg. And I was first told that I had cancer somewhere in my body and they just had to find it. Several days and multiple tests later, I was diagnosed with what is known as prothrombin factor 2 mutation. Simply, it's just a severe blood clotting disorder. I had to have the same surgical procedure three different times back to back to try to remove the majority of that clot out of my vein. Doctors told me that my veins were so damaged that I most likely would never recover from those surgeries. That my left leg would never be the same size or the same color as the right leg was ever again. Because you see this left leg prior to that surgery had swollen at the top to 36 inches in diameter at the top. They said it would never be the same size, never be the same color again. And I remember what it was like to try to process all of that information. Which by the way, hear me this morning, was the enemy's report and not the Lord's report. Hello. That was the enemy's report and not the Lord's. And I remember... The first time that that I was allowed out of the bed after 14 days, even walking from my hospital bed to the doorway, to the hallway, uh, the door at the hallway, it proved to be such a challenge because after 14 days of not being able to get up and not being able to move, my muscle atrophy was so advanced that when I would even try to stand up, I would feel this tremendous pressure from the blood flow and the weight bearing on my leg that I would often feel like just trying to stand up that I was about to pass out. So needless to say, at just under 31 years of age, it was a desperate time in my life. It was a time when many questions came into my heart. It was a time that I just did not understand. I imagine that it was incredibly difficult for King David to understand his season of trial. Especially when for so long he had lived a life that was governed and sustained by the promises of God. In Psalms 22 verses 9 and 10, David said, But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust, there's a word that I want you to remember today, trust, while I was still on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. You see, he was raised in the ways of the Lord, and David learned to trust the Lord early on in his life. He learned to trust God for the power to fight a lion and a bear as a young teenager. And after the prophet Samuel poured a flask of oil upon his head, prophesying what God was going to do in and through his life, David went on to defeat a giant that you know by the name of Goliath. And David won many other incredible victories as well, but he won victories that he knew only could have came by the help from God. Hello. He knew that it only could have came by the help from God. Yet we read, After all of that had taken place in his life, David goes on to say in verse 11, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like that trouble's here and there's nothing to help me? You see, there's no 
historical data that we can find that tells us exactly when David wrote this psalm. Perhaps it was when he was being pursued by Saul. Saul was a king who had lost the spirit of God and was envious of David. But regardless of the situation, David knew in his heart that in his own natural strength, it would not be sufficient to meet his needs. Yet at this time in his life, God was seemingly distant. And David could have just as easily asked the questions that many times you and I have asked. What happened to all the promises that you made me, God? Will they ever be fulfilled? What do I, why do I have to go through all of this? Can I tell you, as I read through this Bible and I learn about this thing called life, I find other people who had seasons when they didn't understand what God was doing. One of those people was the prophet Elijah. He was a man uh, committed to seeing the Lord glorified. And he prayed for the spiritual restoration of a nation that he loved so dearly. And God could have just simply, if he wanted to, he could have just simply come down from heaven in the fullness of his glory and that whole nation would have bent down on its knee and repented. But yet if you read 1 Kings chapter 17, how did God respond to Elijah's prayer? I'll tell you how he responded. He sent a drought. Now think about that. Elijah was calling out to God and God sent a drought. God to God chose to do it this way in order to cause the people, the other people, to begin to consider their ways. And meanwhile, the Lord's instructions to Elijah were found in 1 Kings 17, verses 3 and 4. He said, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. You see, Elijah could have just asked, Lord, what on earth is going on in my life? God, I know who you are. I know the power that you have. So why are you delaying in answering my prayer? And why do I have to go all this distance? And why do I have to sit down by the brook and just wait for the ravens to come and drop some meat into my lap every single day? Why, God, why? He could have easily done that. But of course, you and I, if you know much about the story, we can understand in hindsight why God did it this way. First of all, first and foremost, if Elijah was going to represent God before the people, he had to be a partaker of their sufferings. Can I tell you that nothing irks me any more today than a Christian or maybe even a preacher who hasn't been through anything but acts like that somebody else's sufferings are some sort of punishment from God. That's hogwash. That's what I said. Hogwash is what that is. Nothing irks me anymore than for somebody to act like somebody else is going through something because of some wrong that they've done. Why? Why do you say that, Pastor? Because if you read this book, you'll find out that it rains on the just and the unjust. It rains on those that maybe sometimes they do deserve it, but it also rains on those who didn't do anything to deserve it. Consider Job. The Bible said Job was a righteous man, but yet God allowed all of those things. God allowed the enemy to do the things that he 
he did in his life. Nothing irks me anymore than somebody who acts like they've arrived, but they've not been through anything in this life. But they want to cast judgment on somebody else for what they're going through. There's nothing scriptural about that. Did you hear me? All of this preaching that, oh, if you had faith in God and you were serving God, you'd be blessed and your bank account would be running over. No, that's hogwash too. Oh, if you had faith and you trusted in God, you'd never go through any health problems in your life. No, that's hogwash too. Oh, if you had faith and you trusted in God, you wouldn't be facing this battle. No, there's no truth to that either. There's nothing in this book that says that's the way it works. But what this book does say is that when you're faced with it, when you're going through it, when you're right in the middle of it, God will be right beside you every step of the way. So in order for Elijah to represent God before the people, he had to partake of their sufferings. He had to know what they were going through. And secondly, the Lord was teaching Elijah that he could provide right in the middle of the wilderness. You see, God knew that Elijah himself would soon have to pass through this own dilemma of his own, this own wasteland of feelings and of failure and depression. Because not very far down the road from this point that we're reading about, following a great victory that Elijah had, we find that he would end up fleeing from a queen named Jezebel. He would end up running into the wilderness and he would become so overwhelmed by a sense of failure that he would cry out and even ask God to take his own life. That's what the book said. But so this was an important time of preparation for Elijah. Say preparation. It was a time of instilling deep within his heart the assurance that no matter what may come, God would never fail or never forsake him. I came to tell you this morning, in the same manner, God knows what you and I are facing right now. God knows what you and I might face in the very near future. And He knows what it will take to get us through whatever we face. And I want to tell you today two things that God will not do. Number one, He will not fail you. And number two, He will not forsake you. He said, and therefore, I want to tell you this morning that as a faithful father, He starts to prepare us beforehand. God begins to prepare us beforehand. You see, the lesson didn't stop there for Elijah. The brook dried up, and God sent Elijah to this poor widow. Now, why a poor widow? Why not a rich widow? I mean, really. If God's going to use somebody, why a poor widow? But by her own testimony, this widow, think about this. She was getting ready to go out and gather some sticks and she was going to make a fire so that she could make cakes for herself and her son and eat one last good meal before they died. That was her plan. Yet God sent Elijah to this home and here's what God said. Keep in mind now, this poor widow. God sent Elijah to this home and here's what he said. I've commanded a widow to feed you and look after you. First Kings 17 and 9. See, I believe the reason for that was Elijah needed to see what God could do with just a little bit of faith. 
and just a little bit of resource. Because God was about to use Elijah to train others to believe for the next generation. And can I tell you this morning that similarly, when revival comes... And when we do experience a spiritual awakening in America, people are going to begin to flock to the house of God with seemingly very little faith and very little resource. That's why after we've experienced it for ourselves, I'm talking to some people this morning that have tried God, that know that He's been with you, that know that He won't leave you, that know that He won't forsake you. I'm talking to some people this morning that realize what you may be facing right now or what you may face in the near future. Though it may take you by surprise, you know and you realize nothing and I said nothing takes God by surprise. God knew about it long before it ever happened. I'm talking to some people this morning that have experienced it for themselves so that we will have the eyes to see that God can take nothing and make something out of it. Hallelujah. Can I tell you this morning that God does not need your talent. God does not need our resources. Say amen somebody. What God simply needs out of us is somebody who is willing to say, God, would you take my life and would you use it for your glory? And brothers and sisters, I feel the Lord this morning. Brothers and sisters, I tell you, when you say that to God, you can be confident that he will use whatever you offer to him. I came to tell somebody today, you may feel like you're insignificant. You may feel like you don't have much to offer. You may feel like the enemy has wasted and used you up. But I came to tell you, if you'll just cry out to God and say, God, would you come and take my life and would you use it for your glory? I came to tell you, he'll take what you'll give him. So I want to return this morning to our opening psalm in verses 21 through 24 of that passage of Scripture. We see David continue to say, Psalms 22, 21. Save me. He said, from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. Watch this. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will what? Praise you. You who fear the Lord, do what? Praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when, oh hear this this morning, when he cried to him, he heard. I came to tell you, if you'll just cry out to God, God will hear you. In another passage of scripture, in Psalms 3, David said I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill I laid me down and I slept and I awakened for the Lord hath sustained me David went on to say therefore I will not be afraid I, oh listen to me today I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about I will not be afraid of ten thousand of demons who have set themselves against me round about. For thou, O 
Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. That's what David said. I cried to him, and he heard me. Oh, if you'll just cry to him, he'll hear you. And see, David realized that no matter what it might have felt like initially, he had not been forsaken by God. See, we too can be assured that when we cry out to God, or maybe you've already done it, when you cried out to God, when you offered your life to be used for His glory, He heard you. But the reason that we get into trouble in our understanding of God is because so often when we pray, we immediately formulate this picture in our mind as to what the answer is going to look like. And when it doesn't pan out exactly the way we thought it would, we end up frustrated and confused. And so back when I was all of a sudden faced with those health issues that I told you about this morning, I remember praying. I remember laying in the hospital bed one day and praying, Lord, I'm serving you. I've been faithful to you. I'm dedicated, Lord, to leading your people in worship. I spend hours of my time selecting songs and practicing music and working with people to make beautiful music for you. I sacrifice my personal time from my wife and my children so that what we do for you is the best that it can be. And now I'm in this hospital bed. And they tell me that this clot could move at any time and I could die. And if that doesn't happen, they tell me I've got cancer somewhere in my body and they just have to find it. And those thoughts just began to overwhelm me and they began to consume my mind. And when they did, I began to question God and I said, God, is this really happening? And then I said, and is this really necessary? And it was not an accusation against God. But nevertheless, I couldn't help but to wonder, why? Anybody ever ask why? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Lord, I'm living my life for you. Is this really, really necessary? And it was almost as if the Lord replied, yes. It's very necessary. And scripture began to just flood my mind. God used an evangelist friend who called me on the phone. Told the nurse. He called the nurse. Actually, he was in revival at her church. She asked. She said, will you pray for a man named Sean Disney? She didn't know he knew me. And he called me on the phone. And I put my phone to the ear. To my ear. And scripture that was flooding my mind at that time already. But he said to me. He said, he said, Sean Disney, when she asked me to pray for you, I heard the Lord speak Psalms 118 and 17 into my ear. And he said, tell Sean Disney, he shall not die but he shall live and declare the works of the Lord. And I began to declare and decree that verse over my own life. I would also quote other verses like Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all, shout all, 
We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. And then I quoted Psalms 34 and 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And there were other scriptures that I quoted. I quoted them and I stood on them and I decreed and declared them over my own life. And when I quoted Psalms 118 and 17, I made some promises to the Lord right there that day laying in the hospital bed I said God if you will let me live and not die I will declare your works for the rest of my life and if you're wondering why I'm preaching today I'm telling you 13 years later he kept his word and I'm going to keep mine did you hear me sure sure there'll be days in your life when it won't be easy sure there'll be times when you don't understand Sure, there'll be times when you feel like you just can't take it anymore and you'll want to just throw in the towel and quit. But I tell you this morning, 13 years later, I'm standing here doing what I'm doing today because I stood on a promise and I promised God I would do it if He would do it. And can I tell you, through all the ups and all the downs, He's still walking right beside me. Oh, through every fire, through every trial, He's never left me, never forsaken me. He's right beside me through it all. His word. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, God, for your spirit. His word has sustained me. And then the more I searched his word, the more I found out. And eventually I found this one. Never shared this one before today. But I found this one. Psalms 119 and 75. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right. Now this word judgment does not mean judgment like judgment for sin. This word judgment means decisions. That's what the original word interprets to. So put that in its place. I know, O Lord, that your decisions are right. Watch this. And that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Now talk about a verse that's hard to process. We love to talk about how he's been a faithful provider. We love to talk about how he's been a faithful giver. We love to talk about how he's been a faithful forgiver. We love to talk about how he's been a faithful healer. Why don't we ever talk about how he's been a faithful afflictor. And that in faithfulness, you have afflicted me. God was speaking to my heart. And this word was to me. Maybe it applies to you, but don't take it personal if it doesn't. This was to me. God said, it is my faithfulness that has allowed this in your life. You're not being overpowered by the devil. This is not even the devil attacking you. I have allowed this to come into your life for a specific reason. And the Lord said to me, I had to take away your strength in order to teach you how to be dependent upon me. See, at that time, I've always been musical. I've always loved music. Abby comes by it honest. She's been musical from the time she came out of the womb, I believe. But I had always 
been musical, and I was pretty confident in that, pretty strong in that. As a matter of fact, I might have even felt like it was great to have the anointing, but I could even help the show go on if the anointing wasn't there because I was strong in that. I knew how to do that. God was saying, I'm taking away your strength in order to teach you how to be dependent upon me. See, God said, I don't want, and this word does apply to you. It applies to all of us. God says, I don't want your opinions. I don't need your ideas. What I want is for you to obey me. I want you to learn how to follow me when I speak. I have afflicted you in faithfulness, and I am preparing you for what is to come. And that moment was when I laid in that hospital bed, and I answered the call to preach the Word of God. Hallelujah. And can I tell you something today? I still don't feel confident in this. Every time I take this pulpit, Casey, I have butterflies in my stomach. Every time they're doing worship up here, I'm standing right there worshiping with my whole heart. And I always say, God, if you want to take over about right now, that'd be real good. Because he can do a lot better in five seconds than I can do in five minutes or five hours. Hello, somebody. But I've never gotten confident in this. And guess what? I pray that as long as I live, I never get confident in this. Because unless God build the house, those labor in vain that build it we've got to have God to anoint the worship this ain't in my notes we've got to have God to anoint the musicians we've got to have God to anoint the Sunday school teachers we've got to have God to anoint the youth pastors the dramas ought to be anointed the children's choir ought to be anointed our children's church ought to be back there praising God and having church why? because it's the anointing that'll break the yoke in your life For I am the Lord your God. There is nothing that you will face that I will not already have known about, foreseen, foreknowledged. And you can know this day that my hand of protection is upon you. I will not lift it as long as you are seeking me and crying out to me. Don't think these fight these fiery trials to be something strange that you're going through but rather know that I am not surprised. I know what you are going through now and I know what will face you in the future yet though there are those that are seated in this room right now who you have not yet trusted me. You have not yet committed to me you are sitting here and you have not yet cried out as the word has been preached and said God take my life and use it 
it for your glory. But I am here this morning to tell you, if you will, I will. If you will, I will. Respond unto me and watch what I will do in the face of everything that surrounds you, saith the Lord. Give the Lord some praise this morning in this house. Give him some praise. If you'll stand with me all over the house this morning, if they'll come to the music. If they'll come to the music this morning and you'll stand with me all over the room. Some people may be saying, Pastor, what just happened here? That was the gift of tongues and interpretation. The Lord is speaking specifically to some in our midst today. And I just want to close with this. How faithful God is. How faithful God is. As a matter of fact, stop playing for just a minute. I didn't plan this. But back, the Lord just dropped this in my spirit. I don't, I don't need any music. We used to sing a song in the church that said, He's been faithful, faithful to me. Think about these words this morning. Looking back, His love and mercy I see. For there's times I have questioned, even failed to believe, yet he's been faithful, faithful to me. Now as they begin to play this morning, I want you to think about those words of that song. The Holy Ghost just spoke. I didn't, I didn't plan on singing that song, but the Spirit of the Lord just spoke. And He said, you've not yet learned to trust me. You've not yet said, God, here's my life. Use it for your glory. See, I want to wrap all that up with saying how faithful God is. I didn't know at that time that I would later be called to plant and serve as lead pastor. Freedom Point Church. Trust me, it had never entered my mind. But God knew. God knew what He was doing in order to prepare me. I have a closing that I used in the first service. You can go back and watch it. I used more scripture. I'm not going to use it right now. If every head will bow and every eye will close, because this is what I feel. I feel like God is speaking to some in this service that He's saying, Will you come today? And will you just say, God, I give you my life. Use it for your glory. That doesn't even mean that you're lost right now. For some, it may. There may be some in this room that are lost and that are not ready to meet him should you go out into eternity today. But there may also be others in this room right now that say, I just need to ask God. I need to give him my life. I need to let go of everything and just say, God, here's my life. Use it for your glory. So with every head bowed and every eye closed and nobody looking around, I want to ask this morning, if you're sitting here and you say, I want to give Him my life. I want Him to use it for His glory. Would you just slip your hand up? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, anybody else? I want to give you my life. I want you to use it for your glory. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? I just want to give you my life, Lord. I just want you to use it for your glory. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else this morning? So now I want to ask you if you're sitting there and you say, Pastor, 
I feel like my life's insignificant. I feel like I don't have much to offer to God. I'd love to be used for His glory, but I just feel like I don't really have much to offer. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and put it back down? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else today? Thank you. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Can I tell you today? Everybody can look at me now. Can I tell you that God wants you? He doesn't want your talent. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your gifts. All He wants is you. And I believe what we need to do today, let's do I give myself away. I believe what we need to do today is some need to determine in their hearts that we're going to give ourselves to the Lord and say, God, here I am. Use me for your glory. And I feel like this is the way I want to do this today. Totally unplanned. I know God's speaking to some people in this service. I want to sing the verse and then a chorus. And then I'm going to open the altar. Listen to what this verse says. Here I am. Here I stand. Lord, my sitting there that say, I know I need to do this. I know the Lord's speaking to me, but I'm, some may be saying, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready to give myself away. I'm not ready to give up some things in my life. I believe the Lord is saying today, I believe that's you that he's speaking to, that he's saying, you've not learned yet to trust me, but if you'll present yourself to me, 
even you will be amazed at what I will do. So with nobody looking around, I don't want to ask for hands to be raised this time. I want to step down here and just say, will you come join me right here this morning? And say, God, I'm giving myself to you. I'm presenting myself to you, God. Do with me what you will. Would you just step out from where you are this morning? Nobody looking around. I want them to sing this next chorus. And I want you to just, church, I want you to pray. I want you to pray that those that need to move will move as they sing. Give myself away. Come on, all over this room right now, if you know that you, I need to give myself to the Lord this morning. Give myself away. You just step out from where you are right now and make your way here. I feel like the Lord is waiting on somebody today.
today we give ourselves to you. God, I believe there are others in this room that are not even in this altar right now that in their own way they're declaring and decreeing, I'm giving my life to you, God. Use it for your glory. God, I believe there are those that may be even standing there saying, no, no, I'm not ready yet, God. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to give this up. I'm not ready to give that up. But God, your Holy Spirit is turning over and over inside of them. And they are saying, oh God, I want to give my life to you. God, I pray for those right now that they would realize we don't give up that other stuff first. What we do is give ourselves to you first. And then you help us give up that other stuff. So, oh God, today, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit in this room right now. You're ministering to somebody. I said we don't give up our other stuff first. We simply give ourselves to God first, and then God helps us give up the other stuff. So, God, I'm praying today that the seed that has been sown, that has gone forth, Lord, that it would begin to just turn and churn on the innermost parts of their being. That, God, we would determine in our hearts that we're going to give ourselves to you and ask you, God, to use us for your glory. I pray, Lord, for those all over this congregation that may be going through things right now that they say, I just don't understand what I'm going through. God, I thank you that nothing we go through in this life will ever take you by surprise. God, you have already known about it. You are already preparing us for it. And so, God, I pray that they would learn to trust you right in the midst of the storm, right in the midst of the circumstance, that they could declare and decree, I'm not going to die in this. I'm going to live, and I'm going to declare the works of the Lord. That they would stand on your word and say, all things work together for good to them that love God who are the called according to his purpose that they would stand on your word and say many may be the afflictions of the righteous but you oh God are faithful to deliver us out of them all great is your faithfulness this morning we thank you and we praise you God I pray that you would bless these precious people that you have sent to this church I pray they would leave this place encouraged today and strengthened, God, by supernatural faith and supernatural trust and supernatural courage that only comes from you. For God, if we give ourselves to you, you'll take care of the rest. I thank you today for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said...